How have you gotten where you are today? What have been the steps along the journey you have taken? This is Monday, November 28th, and we're getting started with our season of Advent, the time when we remember the first coming of Jesus and also prepare for his second coming. Now, to begin today, we need to take a step back, way back. Perhaps you have sketched out your family tree, and in doing so, perhaps you've seen the connections, the way the generations before your own helped to shape the life you have come to live now. You see, the Gospel of Matthew begins with a genealogy, because for the Jewish people, well, your family lineage held the secret to your identity. Your tribe was your destiny. And in many ways, this is true today. Perhaps looking at old family photos, you've recognized facial features a few, two or three generations back that you have yourself. There are physical characteristics, but there are other factors of our forebears that shape us as well. The point is, we are part of a much larger story than we know. We have been shaped by generational forces that likely remain a mystery to us. So Jesus' story, well, it doesn't begin with Jesus. As Matthew tells us, Jesus is in the line of David, of the tribe of Judah. He is born into a story that God has long been telling. And that's the story we pick up with as we begin in the Gospel of Luke. Here's our text for today that we looked at yesterday in worship. Luke 1, verse 5 to 7. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God and deserving all the observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now we might wonder why Luke begins the story of Jesus here. Well, first he wants us to know what was happening in Palestine at the time Jesus came to be born. And to explain the circumstances, he chooses one of Jesus' own relatives. He introduces to us Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. Why does he do this? Well, they represent the best from among the Jewish people at the time. And notice what has happened to them. First, they are faithful people. Luke goes to great lengths to tell us, well, they're doing everything they can to honor God with their lives. Zechariah is a priest, and the people have maintained, been maintaining the temple practices for hundreds of years. They're showing up every day, carrying out the ancient practices commanded by the Lord, and doing so has not been easy. At this point, the nation is occupied by the Romans, and the Romans appointed Herod to govern the people because Herod was raised Jewish. He's in submission to Rome. But, but the people saw him, as, strangely, as one of their own. At the same time, he was something of a megalomaniac. He had a great capacity for brutality and would do almost anything to protect his position. But let's stick to Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
As faithful as they were, and though Zechariah was serving as a priest, they had no children. And among the Jewish people, to have no children was the same as having no future. So as good as people as they were, Elizabeth was barren. And add to that, she'd passed through menopause. She has no hope for a baby. Yes, faithful Israel, it looked like, was coming to an end. There would be no children. You see, the story of Jesus begins with a moment of hopelessness. Just how hopeless had things become? Well, as we learned yesterday in worship, even the word hope dropped out of the writing of the rabbis at this time. Yes, for sure, they remembered the promises of God, but they couldn't believe the Messiah might come. Why not? They believed they would have a part in his coming. That is, they had to be faithful. They had to do all things well. It would be through their obedience that the Messianic age would be ushered in. You see, they thought it depended on them. They believed that by their own unfaithfulness, they had caused the postponing of the Messianic age. And here was the huge problem with believing this. They had no idea what they had to do or how faithful they needed to be. And they were weary of waiting. They had come to believe that the delay was their fault. They must be worthy for the Lord to send his servant and liberate them. This is why this moment was utterly hopeless. Things were getting worse and not better, and the Messiah had not yet come. Now, as we read about this moment, we also know what hopelessness feels like. This is what we're being served up these days. How so? Well, first, we're not being told that life is headed anywhere at all. Yes, we assume technology will continue to develop, but where will mankind end up in the future? And no one speaks about this, almost no one. There's no vision for the future, no sense of having a purpose or direction. There's just another day, another year. For the Jewish people, they were stuck because they thought God's plan depended on their faithfulness. For us, we've lost a sense of God's plan altogether and his future for humanity. Okay, I know, <laughs> this sounds sad, and it is, but this is where Advent began. But hope is on the horizon. This faithful couple are about to hear that they will indeed have a miracle baby. You see, the truth is hidden right there in Zechariah's name. His name means God remembers. You see, God remembered his promise. The coming of the Redeemer does not depend on your faithfulness, but on God's purposes. If we could live faithful enough to merit the coming of the Messiah, would we need him to come at all? But no, the sending of Jesus into our world is full of grace. You see, just when we might imagine that hope is lost, God reminds us that all things are possible with him, that his plan is to bring hope to the hopeless. This is such good news for us today, to remember that God has a plan for his creation and that he promised to make all things new in Christ. And this work has already begun. Let's pray. Lord God, we feel the vacuum of hope in our world. Lord, give us, just in sharing the message of Jesus, 
this awareness of the truth of our future and the opportunity we have in him to focus on the future you have for us. Give us a joy that draws people to you. To the praise of your name, amen.